You're listening to the Kingdom Culture Church podcast. To connect with us, hop on social media or go to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. cheekies in the room. Anyway, I really just wanted to take a moment. I wanted to start by just thanking Pastor Rob and Heather for allowing me the privilege of being on this stage. And I, you guys are awesome. So blessed to be up here. And also Jesse and Fred, you guys are amazing pastors. I don't know where Fred, oh, Fred's in oil room. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like you guys have just poured and invested into me and I wouldn't be the woman I am today without you guys. I'm so grateful. And obviously, I just want to honor my parents and my family over in this corner over here. Give it up for them. I have the most amazing parents. I have a great dad and a great mom. So I just want to start with that. Also, I really cannot forget, is Xander and Xavier here? Surely one of them is. One of them is. Okay, that's your shout out. I told him that if he came, I'd shout him out from stage. So that's your shout out, Xavier. Where's Xander? Where is Xander? Gonna have to yell at Xander next week at youth and be like, mate, you told me you'd come. Embarrass me up here. <laughs> so I thought I'd introduce myself because this is the first time I've been up on the big Sunday stage. Um, I'm Scully. I am our youth uh, oversight. I always go to say creative because that is the role I've just moved out of. But I'm the youth oversight and I serve under Pastor Fred. He's teaching me all of the ropes of how to run, do, and live youth ministry. Um, and I have a couple of questions uh, that I was going to play like, you know, true or false, you know, make it a bit fun, a bit spicy. So I have some graphics to go up on the screen, some questions to ask. Um, and it's kind of interactive. So I'm going to read you a, 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 a true or false, and you guys are going to be like, true, or you're going to go false. So uh, everyone practice with me. True? And then false. Okay, let's see how many of you guys know me. Bring it up. Okay, first question is, did Pastor Fred or Pastor Fred beat me in a chili challenge at youth? False. So we're saying that, if by saying false, you're saying Fred didn't beat me. Yeah. Okay. And the answer is? It is false. You guys are right. A little bit of shame on Pastor Fred. It was really crazy. We had to like, oh, I can't even remember. Where's Craig to tell me the Scoville? I don't even think he's here. But there was, it was a crazy amount of chili. Oh, it was crazy in the thousands and uh, I had it and I was dying we were both dying and we were like I was like oh my gosh I didn't think about this I've got a worship lead now so jump up on stage sinus is completely clear it's fiery churning in my stomach and I'm like worship leading and then Fred on the other side gets to bail and go vomit in the green room <laughs> and then we were like pass Fred go home there is no way you should stay here right now so I think I came out victorious in the battle against the chili <laughs> Okay, next one is uh, the scar on my head. I'm not sure if you can see it, but is it from a spider bite or is it from something else? True, true, true. This is kind of, it's cheating because my family's in here. Everyone just follows what the family's doing. Okay, 
true or false? It's true. I got bitten in the middle of my sleep, and I don't even know what spider it was, but I was walking around with this big thing on my forehead. I had to worship lead at youth, and I was so embarrassed. I think I was like, I was so nervous. I, I, like, I, just, like, I got stuck, and I was like, uh, if anyone's wondering what the thing on my forehead is, it's a spider bite. Uh, just ignore it. Let's worship Jesus. <laughs> 14-year-old Scully for you. <laughs> Okay, and then the last question is, I've slept in a medieval castle in Italy. True, I got a mix, I got a mix, I got a mix. Okay, what's the answer? It's false. I didn't actually sleep in it, we kind of just climbed the fence and explored. Didn't, didn't break in, no, just climbed the fence and explored the castle. It was, it was so much fun, honestly. It was sick, it was the best thing. But yeah, that is, that's me, that's a bit of me uh, in a nutshell. So I thought I would, you know, get to know me a little bit. <laughs> but let's get on to the main thing, let's keep the main thing the main thing. I'm going to start by praying. So if we could all bow our heads and put our hands together. Like we used to do at the dinner table. But Holy Spirit, I just want to make room for you in this place. Thank you, God, that this is your house and we are your people and that you dwell among us and you dwell in us. And I just want to give you the room. Thank you for all the preparation that's gone into this now. But Holy Spirit, this service is yours. So come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so my message title for tonight is Room Makers. Woohoo! Going along with the theme, the amazing theme that Pastor Rob has picked for this year. And um, he preached an amazing message. And from that message, we're doing a little youth series out of it. So we're like, we're in the midst of a youth series. And um, it's all inspired from Pastor Rob's message. And um, I thought the best place and the best place to start for a room maker is a story about an actual room that's created. So we're actually going to start in 2 Kings 4 verse 8. I think I have scripture to follow along on the screen. Okay, great. And then one day, Elisha went to Shunem. Everyone say Shunem. And a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And she said to her husband, I know that this man who comes our way often is a holy man of God. Let us make a small room for him on the roof and put in a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Then Elijah came and he went up to his room and he laid down there. And he said to his servant, actually, real quick, Pastor Fred, is it Gehazi or is it Gehazi? Gehazi. Okay, I thought it was Gehazi. And then he said to his servant, Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. And Elisha said to her, tell her, you have gone through all of this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. If mm, that's not it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read from here because we've lost the trail. Um, and Gehazi said, she has no son. Her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. He said, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And she objected saying, no, my Lord, please, man of God, do not mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant. And by the next year, at the same time, she gave birth to his son, just like Elijah told her. Now that's an awesome story. It's cool because there's a miracle, there's serving, there's room building. But I want to give you guys a little bit of backdrop just so we can like have a little bit of like, you know, 
why the man of God, why was he so important, why are we building a room for him? Um, so, you know, a little bit of history with scholarly. So back in the Old Testament, uh, we had a man of God. We didn't have Holy Spirit, you know, pulled out among all flesh. So the man of God was often the, one of the only ways that you could get in touch with Holy Spirit and be in the presence of God. So, so this man of God, Elisha, is actually a big deal. It's kind of like kind of like the only thing you can get close to being with God is talking to this guy and interacting with this guy. And so this woman's smart. She's so smart. She knows that there's something on him. And my first point tonight is a well-to-do woman. And the reason I titled it a well-to-do woman is because I think we are kind of like her sometimes. We, there are so many uh, things that we can draw out of who she is and who we are. Even from back then, I want to just take some time to unpack the similarities between us. So one of the first things it says, literally, is that she's a well-to-do woman. She had a house. She had a husband. She was well off. She wasn't in need of anything, well, seemingly in need of anything. She, um, when, when Elisha asked her, hey, like, what can I do for you? You've done this thing for me. What, what favor can I return? She's like, no, I'm, I'm actually all good. I'm satisfied. I have a home among my own people. She seemingly was in need of anything. But Obviously, there was a deeper need in our heart. There was a deeper desire in our heart. She was yearning something of the Spirit. She wanted a miracle. She wanted something that she knew that by human standards she couldn't attain. She couldn't attain it without a touch of heaven and a move of God. And so she kind of almost buried that and was like, mm, I'm not going to even bother asking for it. Because, you know, there was fear in her to even ask the question because she wasn't sure she could attain it. Back then, Holy Spirit moving and miracles weren't common. And I think... That's the Shunammite, but that's us as well. I think we live in a first world country. We attend a first world church. We are so blessed. We are blessed beyond blessing and blessing and blessing. We live in abundance. If anything, sometimes it makes us complacent. We're not actually hungry and we're not, you know, after the right things. We can just, you know, junk food. That's That's another message for another time. But we all have a deep need. We all have a yearning for the spirit. And for some of us in this room, we all need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough in our lives, whether it's health or whether it's something else. So that's one of the first similarities I want to pull. The second one is, is that she would often invite the man of God into her house to have dinner. And she would be come by and, and stop in at any point of you like, we will feed you. But then she had this realization that this is a man of God. This is a holy man of God. And she says to her husband, let's build a room. Let's build a room in our house so that he can rest here, that he can be in our presence, he can be among us, he can come rest at any point that he likes. And that's us as well, you know? I feel like we do that thing where we're like, Holy Spirit, we love you. If you're in here, you're probably a Christian and you probably know God and you've experienced God before. And so you also are like, come in, Jesus. Come have a meal with me. Come come in at any time. You can come sit down and I will make you food and we'll eat together and we'll commune. Come to church on a Sunday. We do worship. We do our dinner groups. But then there's also the next step of letting him live in our house, live in our heart. And I want to challenge us. I don't know where you're at in this journey. I don't know every single one of you. But if you are only letting him in for a meal, I want to challenge you tonight. Let's make room for Holy Spirit. Let's make a room for the man of God. We want to be a people. I want to be a people. I want, we want this church to be people who invites God in for a meal, um, invi- invite him in for a meal and in to make a room for our heart. But I want to also, you know, I guess my next point is, 
that the room's going to cost you something. It's actually kind of not cheap. Anyone here renovated? <laughs> Pants go up. <laughs> and everyone who renovated said amen. <laughs> it's expensive. I haven't renovated, praise the Lord. <laughs> I've been a part of mum and dad's renovation when I was far too young. And then I second-handedly experienced my sister's renovation. When they renovated their house, they had to move out for a period. It was so messy. So they moved in with us and I loved it because I was like, big extrovert, loving it. <laughs> yeah, made a room in our house and I was stoked. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's expensive. It's not easy. It's not fun. Sometimes it's quite uncomfortable. But the room costs us something. And for some, diff- uh, the price uh, list actually looks different for every one of us. We all are different people who have different strengths and weaknesses. So the price list comes at a different cost. For some of us, it's spending less time on social media. It's spending less time watching Netflix and entertainment and filling our lives with entertainment. I feel like Fred and I were talking about my message and he was like, poor Netflix gets the worst rep from stage. <laughs> you can do Netflix in moderation. <laughs> Come on, guys, in moderation. Don't binge the whole series and then come to church the next morning sleepy. You know, Pastor Rob's going to love me for that comment. <laughs> PSI, having to, like, hype you up. <laughs> Do I get a brownie point for that, Pastor Rob? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, baby. Okay. For some of us, the table might cost us saying no to, not saying no to some social events not always hanging out with our friends, not hanging out with the friends we know we shouldn't be hanging out with. Taking time out of our week to actually set aside a day, set aside a morning, set aside a night where we're like, I'm just going to rest and be with God or I'm just going to be at my home and be and practice stillness and practice peace because that's when Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks in the stillness when we've made room for it. He's not going to speak to us when we're going running 25 25 miles an hour, talking to every friend, trying to help everyone. You could have the best intentions. You could be catching up with like all of the different people, but if you're not making space at home in your world for him to speak, it's not going to work. It's not going to turn. The bed might cost you to lay down your pride and to become a servant and serve somewhere in glamorous in church as well. There are this, this, this really practical ways that we can look at this, but I feel like the one that I want to really hone in on and the one that probably will make us feel most uncomfortable is that when when we decide that we're going to build a room for Holy Spirit, it'll completely cost you your privacy. I don't know if any of you guys have had someone move into your house or live in your house for a while, but it costs you your privacy. It really does. It means you can't do the things you used to do by walking around in the clothes that you used to walk around in. Printing to myself. <laughs> I am Marco's daughter. (laughs) I wasn't sure if I was allowed to say that from stage, so. (laughs) Moving right along, moving right along. (laughs) But yeah, when Holy Spirit moves in, it's going to cost you your privacy because he's going to start knocking and niggling at you and being like, hey, I watched you do that. And we don't do that anymore. It might not seem bad, but we don't do that anymore. We don't speak like that. What we've got to understand is that they don't call Holy Spirit holy for nothing. He is holy. And then when you make room for Him in your heart, there is, a, there is holy ground there. There is holy ground there that we actually have to really respect. I just want to quickly flick back to Moses in the burning bush. 
you know, when he, pre- when he approaches the bush and it's burning, a voice calls out and he says, Moses, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. I don't think God had a problem with Moses' sandal. There was nothing wrong with them. But in holy ground, some things have to be removed. So there's an intimacy with God and there's an intimacy with him in that moment. Because, you know, we're not going to feel God. We're not going to be able to talk to him if there's something happening there. With the, if our mind is full of other stuff. Holy Spirit will take over your life once you've created your room. When we make Holy Spirit a room, it will cost you. But I promise you guys that it's worth every little thing that you sacrifice because the room that we make will often become the room that the miracle happens. Just like the Shunammite. Just like the Shunammite. It's important to note that she didn't actually ask for anything in payment of the room that she built. Because of the position of her heart and the price that she was willing to pay, she positioned herself for blessing. She positioned herself for blessing from God. She wasn't asking for a miracle. She wasn't going out of her way to be like, I'm going to do this so I get my miracle. But the miracle was something that happened to her as she, as she sought after the presence of God, as she sought after to make room in her heart and holiness. She bore and gave birth to a miracle t- child. But the intent of the room was simply to make room for God. And so I guess tonight, my challenge goes out to us. Are we willing to make room for God? Is that, are we, are we ready to pay the price that comes when we make room for God? Because getting real here, I feel like, I feel like there's, in, in every one stage in your walk in Christianity, there comes a moment where you realize you're going to have to pay that price. And it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily easy. And I think for me, that was kind of like COVID last year. Obviously, I grew up in a Christian home. I, I come from a Christian background. Like, you know, doing the Christianese thing, is, it's, it's kind of easy. I, I, like, it comes second nature. I have amazing parents. But, and I, I mean, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. It was moving, learning, and growing. But I came to this point after COVID where I was spending so much time alone in the quiet with him, where I started realizing that there are things in my life, little things, literally not even like, you know, big, obvious sins or like big, obvious things. I was like, wow, I think Holy Spirit is calling me to give up that. Like I used to have like, I, mean, I feel like this sounds bad, but like lots of little apps, like of just like, you know, games, mimics, things that you can just play, like little cartoon comics, all good and pure and like things that we can normally have. And I felt like God said, delete them all. And I was like, I really wrestled with him. Actually thinking about it now, I, I was like sitting outside and I was doing my devotion. I was like, God, but see, like honestly, I was like, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe a, fifth, a, full, a full 15 minute conversation of me just sitting there being like, but, but God, they're not bad things. Okay, but can I have them back in a month? Is this just a month thing? Like, can we have them back in three months? Like, it's, can I have it back in a little bit of time? Um, or is this kind of like forever? And like, he really, it took me 15 minutes to be like, God is more worthy than those little apps on my phone. God is more worthy of my time than the things that I'm doing. And I made room for him there. I deleted those apps and I was like, see ya. And you know what? Even to this day, I still get thoughts like, hmm, I wonder if I could download one again. <laughs> Being honest, I literally have thought about that. Literally when I went away on holiday, it was the worst. I was like, hmm, should I, should I not? But I did him. Be proud of me. I, I really did him. <laughs> I feel like I want to encourage us that it's, 
It's when we're faithful in the little that we get, that the blessing is poured out on the, on the, on the many. And I feel like that has been my, my greatest life testimony is that back from the day when I was leading worship at 14 years old at KCC, KCY, where there was like half the size of the youth group that we have now, it was being faithful in the little that's led me to this position on stage where I'm so blessed to just be able to share my heart with you guys. It's being faithful in the little and it's laying down the things that we don't necessarily need to create room for the Holy Spirit. So I think many of us are more like the Shunammite woman than we realize. If you're here and you regularly commune with the Holy Spirit, but you haven't created a room for Him in your heart, there is a space for you to make that commitment tonight. But it's going to cost you something. And it won't be easy and it won't be comfortable. There's a price. There's a price you pay. And I feel like I also wanted to courage, and I really feel like Holy Spirit is saying that. If you're also in here and you need a miracle, this altar is just as much for you as anyone. You don't have to have done what she, she's done, where she's created a room in her house and asking for nothing. False humility. Not that it was false humility, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to do all the motions and then be like, okay, it's time for my miracle. You don't have to work for it. God loves you and he's going to bless you with that if, if that's what you're ready to move in for. So I'm just going to take a moment to pray and then I'm going to hand over to Pastor Fred and he's going to do the altar time. But Holy Spirit, I need you just as much as anyone else in this room. I really need you. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for the hearts that you're moving in. You are so good, Jesus. You are so worthy of everything. I pray that you would impress deeply in our hearts how worthy you are of our time, how worthy you are of our sacrifices, Jesus. Thank you that you gave it all, that we can give a little bit back to serve the will of you. Thank you, Jesus.